As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Happy uh, Wednesday, everybody. Lovely day here in D.C. Perhaps in more ways than one. Uh, Weather was great. But other news happened in the day that I imagine has got people uh, a bit uh, perked up today with regards to the commanders. You know, I thought I was pretty slick earlier. I intended to post this podcast Earlier in the day, I spoke with my colleague of the athletic, Seth Emerson, who does a great job covering the University of Georgia program. And and we discussed a bunch of the Georgia prospects that are in this draft class, including some players like uh, offensive tackle Broderick Jones and quarterback Keely Ringo and and, uh, quarterback Stetson Bennett, who could be in play for Washington at various points in the draft. And we talked about some of the other uh players in the SEC and because Georgia faced those top quarterbacks in the in this draft we went through all that as well so I was excited for that and then like you know the day just said some things going on this morning and I kind of waited a little bit and then we get to news that um Devin Witherspoon the Illinois cornerback who might be the first cornerback picked in this draft and he also could be there at 16 when Washington picks that he was in Ashburn today meeting with the commanders And there were some other notes here and there uh, about different topics. I had a new mailbag out today, and I was going to get into that a little bit. But as the day progressed, and I was still sort of waiting out when to, to do this, some other information came out. Jeff Bezos, you've heard of him. He is apparently, at the moment at least, not bidding on the Washington Commanders. That doesn't mean that this is done. That doesn't mean we'll hear an announcement today or tomorrow or before I sign off of this podcast. But that Jeff Bezos, independent of Dan Snyder, the lurking aspect of Bezos has felt like the biggest impediment to getting this resolved because of the shadow he casts over the process. When you are essentially the richest man in the world, you have the power 
to stroke a check for any to top any bid that is out there. And the roughly six billion dollar bid that we've heard about from the Josh Harris group, it has felt like to me that like that they're sort of that, that's sort of topping out what they can do. They're probably already overpaying a bit for the franchise relative to what the the Denver Broncos were in the mid four billions uh, uh, last year. The fact that you still have to deal with the whole stadium situation, it's just gonna be an expensive deal. But okay, um, Jeff Bezos, are we waiting on him? Apparently now we're not. Uh, a lot of reporting out on this one, some more definitive than others about whether Jeff Bezos is definitely in or, or, or sorry, definitely out or likely out. But nonetheless, it appears that we have hit an inflection point on this situation and that moving forward, the lane is open for the Josh Harris group. That includes Magic Johnson and uh, Maryland billionaire Mitchell Rails, uh, that apparently that group, it is a, it looks like a clear path for them to go get the franchise barring what we don't know the un- an unforeseen uh, group or bitter something like that you know it's interesting last week we had on uh, Teddy Schleifer from Puck News to discuss the, the Jeff Bezos situation because Je- Teddy wrote a story at that point about how Jeff Bezos is kind of lurking out there. This is kind of his MO and this could be a sign of him getting involved at some point. We, we just may not know until the last second. And he was also the first one today that had something out saying that Bezos was not going to be uh, involved. If you, if you've noticed, we really haven't talked much about Bezos on here. Now, I'm sure he gets mentioned all the time because obviously if you're going to talk about the sale, you got to discuss him if for no other reason because everybody else is. But, you know, my my take for throughout this time has been that it feels like people have been wishing this to happen more than this, than the reality of what seemed to be taking place. Yes, Jeff Bezos hired an investment banking firm to look into the commanders. Yes, we reported at The Athletic that he was not being allowed to bid by the Snyder group at, at a certain point. This was back, this was like around the combine, if, as I recall. But none of that has meant that he was actually going to do this or that he actually was do, you know, planning on, on doing this. Uh, Jeff Bezos says, you know, we know he's interested in an NFL team. This isn't the only NFL team. It's just the one that's currently up for sale. And because Jeff Bezos now has some ties to the D.C. area, he lives here, or, he, or I don't know if he lives permanently here, but he has a home here that he's that he's uh, he's in town often. He owns the Washington Post. Amazon is, uh, in theory, putting a, a a new headquarters in a, in the area. All these things suggest that he may want to plant deeper roots into the D.C. area. But that's sort of about it. It's just hints and suggestions. It's not actions now i caveat everything i talk about when it comes to the ownership by saying we'll see when something is done when we hear the news that an agreement has taken place then the agreement has taken place and then from there the nfl owners will have to get together and vote on whether they approve of whomever the uh, owner is presumably like i said right now john the josh harris group feels like the front runner uh Typically, these once you get the agreement done, typically these sales happen. Ironically, the last time that I can recall where there was an issue was the time when it was Howard Milstein trying to buy uh, 
the Redskins and his it, it then was then shifted to his one of his partners, of course, Dan Snyder. I would say, what is today? Wednesday? I would say, you know, at this point, from my guesses, that my senses, we're, we're looking at not nothing this week. So just because this news is coming out today doesn't mean we're getting an announcement tomorrow of a deal done. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We still don't know the parameters of the Harris bid. Uh, you know, again, the owners have to look at all this. So we will see where that goes. But Regardless of whether I have been somewhat skeptical this whole time about Bezos being truly in this mix or not, apparently he's not. And if that is true, if that holds up, then, you know, like I said, you've got the Josh Harris group, you've got the Steve Apostolopoulos uh, group, that, or, or I don't know if it's really even a group, but uh, the, the bid from the Canadian billionaire who's also apparently in on the Ottawa Senators and the Charlotte Hornets and that you've heard me talk about. I don't really know if I buy him as a serious contender. Uh, the Houston Rockets uh, owner, uh, Tillman Fertitta, apparently has shown an interest, but his bid, uh, initial bid supposedly came in below the $6 billion mark that Harris has reached. So, so we're here. Um, it's something. It's significant, yet simultaneously maybe nothing significant at all. Uh, we, we, we may never find out how serious Jeff Bezos was in this bid, but at the moment, at least, it appears he is out, and that, again, leaves the Josh Harris group with Magic Johnson and others uh, viewed as the front runner. certainly on the outside. Whether that's true on the inside, I don't know. As a reminder, the amount of people who really know what is going on here, uh, you could probably count on one hand in terms of Dan Snyder's thinking. So, you know, again, if there's another round of something is close, just tread, just tread lightly. Okay, that's all I can tell you. If I, I try to be as honest with you guys as I can. If I hear something definitive or, or, or feels pretty, pretty concrete, I will let you know. But right now, like I said, it's been feeling like it is trending in the positive way. The conversation I wrote about this a few weeks ago. It the conversation is now about when, not if. And there's also the the who, but now even the who is getting a little more. Uh, we're getting a little more focus on who the who may be, at least as of today. We apparently know who it will not be, uh, not Jeff Bezos. All right, so there, that's that. Uh, by the way, if you are interested in learning more about Josh Harris, I encourage you, go back and listen to the last podcast I did uh, the beginning of this week. My colleague at The Athletic, David Aldridge, yes, the Basketball Hall of Fame reporter, David Aldridge, we talked about a, a bunch of different commander's topics, but we discussed Josh Harris, and, and, I, and DA gave us insight into Harris's ownership with the Sixers. This is, of course, the guy who hired uh, analytics guru Daryl Morey to be his GM. This was after they had the process there under Sam Hinkie. Say whatever you want about the process. I kind of liked it a little bit. Um, but it was innovative, and it was creative, and Josh Harris oversaw that, and I think that could be perhaps – I don't know what we'll see what that would mean for Washington for for the commanders, but it is interesting nonetheless. Anyway, go back and listen to that if you missed it. Uh, David Aldridge and I talking about Josh Harris as well as a bunch of other commanders topics. Before we get to my interview with Seth Emerson, so I mentioned earlier that uh, Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois cornerback, who I would bet likely is not on the board when Washington picks, but nonetheless could be depending on 
you know, if 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 four quarterbacks go, you know, ahead of 16, if there's a run on offensive tackles or multiple defensive ends, you know, things like that, then, you know, it is possible that uh, the cornerback slip and Witherspoon is there at 16. Nonetheless, he showed up in Ashburn today. Uh, Washington, again, their top 30 visits have been a lot of cornerbacks and a lot of offensive linemen. That trend has continued. Tyler Steen, an offensive tackle from Alabama. He's more of a day two, day three guy. He also, I was told, has been to Washington. Uh, so a lot of those guys, if you... I don't have these two names on the list that I put up the other day on the website, but in the first mailbag that I did, you can go check that out. Uh, all the names that have come through so far the way. I will just note before I get to Seth Emerson, while I was sitting here talking to you guys, our, our uh, my colleague at the uh, Washington post, Nikki Javala tweeted out that Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner who I mentioned previously, apparently was on CNBC today. And he said that he did make a $5.6 billion offer on the commanders, but quote, at some point you've got to draw a line in the sand end quote. So there you go on that. I have not considered him as somebody truly involved here, but nonetheless, interesting to see uh, his comments there. Um, Okay. Let's get to some NFL draft talk. Seth Emerson, like I said, covers Georgia dug through a bunch of those prospects, um, I, I think Stetson Bennett's an interesting name to keep an eye on for Washington, but they've got a lot of other guys here. Uh, and we also got into the quarterback play, including Hendon Hooker. Uh, if you look at the top five quarterbacks, you've got Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Bryce Young, all SEC quarterbacks, and then Georgia face CJ Stroud, Ohio State quarterback in the playoffs. So Seth has a very good uh, sense of those players as well. So here we go. Uh, talking. NFL Draft with Seth Emerson here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, as promised, joining me here. Look, it's not every it's not every time you can get a guest who's the program the college football program that he covers has like umpteen prospects in the upcoming draft and plays in a conference that has even more and more prospects coming into the draft. Perfect time to get our guest Seth Emerson, our University of Georgia uh insider on with us and he's also he's got a history with the franchise that we talk about all the time because he uh used to care about them right is that a fair assessment used to care i think that's a good i I think i still care enough that i pay attention and i'm i am am i allowed is this a safe space can i speak freely about my uh i I guess i i can and i will um yeah i mean 
growing up in Silver Spring for the most part. Uh, I was a Redskins fan, and uh, but then when the Daniel Snyder stuff happened over the years, I, I soured pretty quickly. And then leaving the area helped too. I left the area in two thousand two. So um, if 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 there is a sale, I think I speak for a lot of like expatriates, mm-hmm. like former. Redskins fans like we we're, we're not going to come back we you know the the nickname had to go but a if Daniel Snyder sells the team to basically anybody um and if they pick a better nickname than the commanders then I think a lot of people will come back although the main thing is Snyder selling the team right, right. I I obviously I keep saying to people it looks like we're heading in the right direction for that to occur but when until the bar the horse is in the barn you know we're not going to assume anything uh the rebrand is interesting i mean definitely a lot of people have suggested that i i've kind of take my kind of take is even if you want to discuss it like it, it shouldn't be necessarily priority number one I, I think it's one of those things if they actually win or just time maybe people get used to it but i in general commanders is not the most exciting of names i, I wasn't no. going like wow that was it felt very as bad as generic as you could get uh, for the situation. Yeah. I, I, I mean, at that point I would have just kept Washington football team, although I'm not sure that was, I think that was fun for a couple years to, to almost be like a European soccer club, but I'm not sure it was a long-term fix that, and, and to be fair to the commander's name, number one, it's unique. You, you know, that helps. You don't want to be like the wildcats. Or that's why the Warriors, I think, was not a great idea. Definitely. And not. The, yeah. And the other thing, though, is like there wasn't really one name that was like, wow, that's got to be the name. Right. P- people online were excited about Red Wolves, but it doesn't. I mean, and, and, it, and it has a there's a certain imagery and I, I get it. It kind of sounds cool in the red, but it doesn't have anything to do with this, you know, the Washington, D.C. area, this team. So that's the part where yeah. it's like, uh, but yeah, that that was like the one that seemed to have some momentum. Yeah, and red tails for a little bit, but yeah. it, it was almost like trying to force it a little bit to keep red in the name. If there was a way to keep skins in the name, that would have been good because I mean, so many times people just called them the skins anyway. Right. Um, yeah, hogs would have been. That's where I was going. It's me hogs because yeah. it's it's unique. Um, we did a um a story. I guess it was two years ago at this point uh, where I had branding experts come in to take us through a, a, uh, you know, hybrid version of a process of, uh, to good that you go, uh, a company would go through to make this kind of a brand name change. And hogs was definitely was one of the finalists because it connected with the past, but also it's yeah. unique in, in today's time. And like to say it, you kind of have to have some sort of confidence like, yeah, yeah, we're kind of making fun of ourselves a little bit, but we it's tradition for us and screw you. Yeah. And the other, I, I, I know we're not I'm not on here to just talk about this. So my, my closing thought on it would be as I as someone who covers, here's a segue, uh, a program called the Georgia Bulldogs, where it seems like Bulldogs is such a generic, common nickname in college sports. I don't know if off the top of my head any pro teams have it, but like that it, it's kind of like a so what? Like the fact that Georgia's nickname is the Bulldogs is the afterthought. It's the logo. It's the what you can shorten it to, like D-A-W-G-S, that kind of thing. And if you win, 
like you're kind of saying with commanders, even commanders would start to catch on. Um, you just don't want to have another red scare because then calling them the commies would be a problem. Um, yeah. But well, the, yeah. the fact that there hasn't been anything obvious to shorten it, I actually think has been one of the, the issues like Manders kind of, but like nothing, um, there hasn't been anything obvious. And, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that, but I do think it's, it's an interesting topic and you know, it, it, it does work because you are, as you said, a uh, person who still pays attention, but doesn't care like you used to, it does represent a ton of people uh, in this market for sure. Uh, those who do pay attention, even if you're not paying attention to the commanders, you care about the NFL draft. And obviously Georgia year in year out just puts out a truckload of guys Obviously, you cover them, so I know you probably can't be too surprised. But to see the arsenal of people that they are putting into the draft, and which is why they're the two-time defending national champions, I mean, you know, it is a pretty insane haul that they're that they're going that they've gone through these last couple of years. And you know, th this year looks—I don't know if you compare the last year versus this year, but th this year's group is definitely pretty dynamic. Yeah, and a lot of the names were ones that before last year you looked and projected as possible first round picks, which was a reason that people coming off the first national championship started to say, huh, a repeat is definitely a possibility because they've still got a lot of talent. And the macro reason for why is Georgia producing all this talent is recruiting and that it's not really just about in-state recruiting. I think a lot of people just naturally assume that Georgia is this talent hotbed, which it is. But if you look at where players are that Kirby Smart has recruited here and have become first-round picks, uh, last year, Trayvon Walker, the very first one, was in-state, but Jordan Davis was from North Carolina. Uh, this year, Darnell Washington, maybe a first-round pick, tight end. He's from Las Vegas. Uh, next year, Brock Bowers is going to be a first-round pick somewhere. He's from Napa. California um, and on and on they've got prospects that are just he, he recruits nationally they try to recruit just the best players they can wherever they're from period and he does a good job of recruiting and they develop in an underrated way and and that's getting reflected in all the draft picks yeah I mean some either they have tremendous talent evaluators on the prep level or and or they do a, a great job of coaching these guys up because it's not a matter of just getting five stars in and saying, well, there you go. You got to identify the right ones for your program and the ones you think can grow and then help them do that. And obviously, Georgia has been doing that at a pretty ridiculously high level. Um, we're going to get to the quarterbacks in a sec because obviously the SEC has got a bunch, including uh, somebody that I think could make sense for Washington somewhere on day three in Stetson Bennett. Let's go with some of the other spots, particularly with the first round guys. Uh, Broderick Jones, the uh, mm -hmm. offensive tackle, he's typically been viewed as one of the top three offensive linemen in this draft. And based on mock drafts, is like not likely to be there for Washington. But that's not to say that that order of offensive linemen will stay the way it is come draft day. So if he is there, that is exactly a position that Washington needs whether we're talking about a left tackle or right tackle immediately, what's your view of Broderick Jones as a prospect and where maybe he fits best in the pros? He reminds me of Andrew Thomas, who was the, what was he? Second or third overall pick I think he was the, in the draft. He was the fourth pick. Fifth, fourth, fourth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew Thomas started from day one as a true freshman. 
uh, and for the next three years before he turned pro. Broderick Jones, because he entered the Georgia program after a few years of Kirby Smart being here and building up the recruiting base, didn't start right away. He didn't start consistently until the end of his sophomore year, um, got in the national championship uh, at that moved to left tackle during the game. And then he started all of this past season. He's just fundamentally sound. He's got the size. All the signs are good as far as character. Uh, He's, he seems like someone that you want to just plop at left tackle or right tackle and say that you're good there uh, throughout his rookie contract. And maybe for the next 10, 15 years. Um, I, I think he is, it's more of a need based thing in terms of whether he's a top five pick, top 10 pick, top 15 pick, but uh, he's definitely worthy. I think even of being a top five guy, again, if he had started earlier in his career to kind of build up that credibility from the beginning. What kind of lineman would you describe that for what it's worth? uh, Our NFL draft insider, Dane Brugler, his uh, full detailed mock uh, NFL draft preview is out as of today. So you can go read that on all these guys. But Seth is there specifically on the ground for these guys. So what what type of lineman is is he? Um, because obviously some guys fit better kind of scenarios or others. Uh, it, it's hard to pigeonhole him in any way. I mean, he was just really all around good, very athletic for left tackle. Georgia did a lot of stuff with uh, Todd Munkin as the OC, now Baltimore's OC, right. um, where they had the the tackle and the tight end, including Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, do a lot of uh, blocking on the outside, and, and Jones could do that. He, he blocked well in the run game when they'd go up the middle or just block to the outside. Um, yeah, pulling, getting the outside, just road grading up the middle he was pretty much good at it at all um well look i I think i mean my my big thing is always on a guy like that is i want to hear if somebody says no i think he can come in and you know not just play right away but like the hype is 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 real and and clearly you sound like somebody who believes in um in broderick jones from like if we're talking a first round pick not the character doesn't matter for anybody but like if you're talking first round pick, more exposure, obviously on a guy like that. Yeah. How how has he been to deal with as as a as a reporter, and what's been your sense about him as part of that uh, championship team? Well, we didn't get to deal with him too much, unfortunately. It's one of the you know he, he was only here three years, and he wasn't a starter until a full time starter until his junior year. Yeah, and Georgia limits availability of a lot of the players anyway. But is that uh, a is that a post COVID thing, or is that just kind of the way it's always been? Yeah, kind of the way it's always been, and just slowly a lot of the stuff is going away anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, we weren't, like, able to go into the locker room gotcha. anyway. Um, like, you, I don't think there's any college programs you can do that, but at the Georgias or the Alabamas of the world, you got even less, like, during the week and um, stuff. But uh, Jones, when we did get to talk to him this year, he just obviously came off as very mature. Uh, he he played at a high level high school. Um, he's just not someone that I think anybody would worry about. It would be surprising if you know anything. You know, it, it doesn't seem like this is another Isaiah Wilson coming. Um, he did come out of this program as a tackle, 
uh, and obviously flaked out in the NFL in just spectacular fashion. Um, this program also produced DeAndre Baker, who flaked out pretty quickly when he got to the NFL, but right. um, I don't foresee that with, with Broderick Jones. Okay. Uh, l- let's go to a different position on, on offense. You mentioned Darnell Washington, the, the tight end. There are four tight ends that are typically viewed as potential first-round picks in this draft, <laughs> and they all are kind of unique. If you want that sixth offensive lineman, it, Darnell Washington is the guy for you. Well, it was yes. like six, seven, two ninety, or something insane. Uh, yeah, or probably like two seventy-five. Okay, okay two uh, five. Let, let me not pull a WWF and like make uh, make him sound like under the giant, where he's like you know seven five and eight hundred pounds, whatever. Um, that said, he's considered one of those one of those guys. So if you're looking for that yeah. in a in a in a tight end. That could be in case. I don't think he's a guy for at 16 for Washington, but maybe in the second round, if they decide that they ultimately do want to add more tight end depth, what do you, what's your view of uh, Darnell Washington? I would be surprised if he was there in the second round at that stage. Sure. I don't know that he gets out of the, you know, 35, 40 range. Um, he might be tempting for his former OC in Baltimore. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which way, especially since they got a wide receiver now. Um, but Washington, like you said, he's a sixth offensive lineman. He is so big that even at the NFL level, when they do send him out on passes, nobody matches up with that. Like linebackers are not big enough. Cornerbacks are going to be just you know, look, look like Jose Altuve standing next to Aaron judge. Um, and the quarterback, like when Stetson Bennett was throwing to him because he, he knew this, he just knew he could throw the ball high. And sometimes he would throw it too high. (laughs) That was the only problem. Um, but, and Darnell Washington's passing stats will be one that when you compare him to the other tight ends and Michael Mayer and, and Colton Kincaid and stuff, people will be like, well, you know, is, is, is Washington as, as prolific a threat catching the ball as those other guys. And it's hard to say because the last two years, they Georgia also had Brock Bowers. And so they were throwing the ball a lot to him. But they did throw the ball to Washington, and he's definitely a, a red zone guy. The, the question I have with Washington is whether he is as effective in a single tight end formation as he was at Georgia, where he was almost always in a double tight end formation, where he is acting as that sixth low lineman, and you have another tight end, in Bowers' case, uh, kind of playing off that. Or sometimes you're fooling the defense by having Washington go out for the pass um, off play action, something like that. Uh, But he is someone who I think the NFL teams probably love because they just look at the size and the measurables. Um, He's another guy that didn't seem to have any character issues. Like the one of the indelible images I have from this past year is uh, it was on the play. I think when Brock Bowers gets an end around, yes, a tight end reverse. (laughs) <laughs> and is yeah. running down the field. Darnell Washington is like 25, 30 yards behind him after springing one of the blocks for Bowers. He's celebrating. He's like jumping like a schoolboy celebrating behind him. And that kind of exemplified his attitude because he was a five-star recruit 
who I, I know he was looking in the transfer portal after his freshman year and his sophomore year. Um, but he ultimately stayed every time and that showed some unselfishness because he could have put up bigger stats at other schools, but Georgia sold him on, we're going to win. We're going to play you. You know, you're basically going to be a starter because he was a co-starter. You may not put up huge stats, but the NFL will see you. And that's been borne out. Um, okay. Good, good, good food for thought there. Yeah. A Washington claims that they are pretty, that they feel comfortable with their younger guys are going to develop, but it's not the most inspiring of, of rooms based off of last year. So we'll see if they change their tune on that. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Uh, l- let me go to the secondary. Cause this is where Washington's other big, mm-hmm. uh, I think question is it, if you're talking a higher pick, uh, I-, I won't be stunned at all. If they go cornerback in the first or second round, Keely Ringo is one of those mm-hmm. names that you hear in that range. Uh, pretty fast. Uh, guy feels like it's like he's on that borderline first or second round mm-hmm. range. What what type of cornerback uh, is Keely uh, Ringo as a prospect? Really good size. Um, another guy that the good measurables, but weirdly he got he would be picked on a lot um, when it was twenty twenty one. You kind of expected that because he was a redshirt freshman, first year playing. Um, but this past year he was the established guy. He was the hero of Georgia's first national championship game. He was the pick six of, uh, Bryce young to seal the game. Um, but Georgia threw to his side a lot. Some of that had to do with the safety coverage that they were putting Ringo on a little bit more of an Island and having the more experienced safety, Christopher Smith play on the other side to help out the more inexperienced um, cornerbacks. So Ringo became kind of this flashpoint guy with the fans because you know how when you're watching a, a telecast and they will, you know, the other team makes a big play and the TV will kind of linger on yeah. the cornerback. When if you were, if you know the play, if you know the team, or if you go back and you talk to the coaches, they'd say that one wasn't on the cornerback. That one was on the safety. They they were in, you know, maybe it was a cover two. Maybe they were in a, you know, a, a different kind of coverage there. Um, but it looked like Ringo was getting victimized on some plays when he wasn't. Now, there were plays where he was victimized. Um, like I said, you throw enough at a cornerback, they're going to, you know, they're going to give up plays. Tyson Campbell was a little bit like that when he was at Georgia. Um, he was picked on he actually was benched his freshman year for eric stokes who also ended up being a first round pick um well tyson campbell i think was first pick of the second round a few years ago anyway yeah tyson campbell's doing pretty well for the jaguars he you know at georgia he gave up some plays um and that also has something to do with the other teams tend to be losing so they're passing the ball a lot um so you're going to have more opportunities for that. But Ringo's interesting in that I could see him flourishing in the NFL. I could also see people looking back and saying, hey, you know, did, did he did he leave too early? You know, because he left after his sophomore year, redshirt sophomore year. Could he have used one more year of kind of refining his his coverage skills? Um, I don't know. Well, I guess let me ask is what type of defense? Well, let me back this up. Washington had an issue the last couple of years with 
uh, trying to assimilate uh, William Jackson, a big free agent they signed in 2021, because he primarily played man with in his previous stop and Washington plays more zone as most teams do, but he really struggled with what they were doing because he could not adjust to their zone concept. So when it comes to corner prospects, we're all looking to see what are they a press corner? Maybe that doesn't work. Do they, can they play zone? What's your sense of what, what, what Ringo's abilities are? What did, what was he doing with, with Georgia? Georgia, Kirby smart wants to play man. He, he will, a lot of times he will realize that they, they can't do that. And I talked about sometimes they play cover two. Um, sometimes they mix up coverages. Uh, but he just kind of conceptually says, we recruit the best players. We should be able to man up on everybody. Um, so Ringo played a lot of man. And that may have led to some of the coverage bust there. Um, but at his size and his speed, he's also a guy I think that you know can can make some plays in man, um, but also make some some plays in zone. I think he's got experience in both, but he's definitely got more experience in man. Okay, uh, you mentioned Christopher Smith. He's not a uh, day one. I'm not even sure if he's a day two guy, but perhaps um, Washington doesn't have a screaming needed safety, but there's some depth, perhaps. Um, yeah. and, and always you take anybody, you know, if they're a good player, what's, uh, what, what's the read on, uh, on Christopher Smith, Uh fast guy who didn't play much his first couple years at Georgia, um, because of depth and ahead of him. And then when he got in there, ended up being a starter for two plus seasons. And by the end of last year was maybe their most dependable, one of their most dependable defensive players. Um, the kind of guy I could see getting to be an NFL starter, um, maybe not the best player in your secondary, but, uh, once he gets up to speed in the NFL could, could be a pretty solid guy. Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to project with safeties. I've seen guys come out of here and you're like, Oh, they're going to be a, you know, long time pro and they don't, last long uh other guys have stayed in the nfl longer than i thought they would um but he's he's a he's not a boomer bust guy it it tends to be that the safeties that make big names of themselves in college are the ones that make big names because they make plays like keely ringo did um he was a playmaker at the Mm -hmm. cornerback i almost kind of get scared about playmakers at the safety position uh in college and Smith, while he did make some plays was more of a, his specialty was a little bit more run stopping. Um, and he, he wasn't a guy that the cameras lingered on after a big play by the other team. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let me switch over, uh, back over to a quarterback. It's an interesting position to ask you about because one Stetson Bennett is a guy who's in this draft class. Obviously I think everybody is familiar with his, story they've heard the uh, aarp jokes whatever it is about him versus a a lot of these other guys but of the five quarterbacks that could be picked in the first round if you believe the hendon hooker buzz you've got good experience with all of them uh, four of them are sec guys and the other one is cj stroud who uh of course georgia faced in the uh playoffs so you've got uh, thoughts on all of those guys i guess let me start with your guy bennett because of because he's the one that's of the five or of the six 
I think is probably the most likely that would get to Washington. Not to say that they would take him, but I think they were going to take another quarterback somewhere. Probably day three would be my mm-hmm. guess. And I do think that there's some t- Taylor Heineke kind of vibes with him. And I think there may be some interest there. What What's the read on Stetson Bennett? Uh, what, what do you see for him at this next level? Yeah. I mean, he's actually, I think the same age as Hendon Hooker. So, um, and, and I don't, some people have, I get Georgia fans have said, well, that must be the reason that he's not, you know, going to be a day one or day two pick. I'm like, I don't, I think actually it might be a feature, not a bug to be that old because NFL teams aren't taking quarterbacks to develop them. They're taking quarterbacks to play them. Um, maybe whoever takes Anthony Richardson is going to do it with the idea of having him sit for a year. Um, but Todd Munkin was talking about Stetson Bennett as a NFL prospect before the uh, playoffs this past year, the college playoffs. And, and he said that as an NFL, someone with NFL experience, um, what Bennett brings to the table is since he knows football, he knows the system um, that he would make a good number two quarterback because he's someone that you wouldn't need to get a lot of reps because in the NFL, the number two quarterback's not getting a lot of reps in practice, right. but someone who that you would feel confident just throwing him in the game because, honestly, they did that in Georgia. Um, he was not a guy who got a lot of reps before the 2020 season and, um, long story short, was thrown in the game in the first half at Arkansas and led Georgia back for the win and a resounding win. Um, he's just kind of a player. Uh, he's kind of a baller. And – you know, I, it's it's I, I'm I'm kind of done doubting Stetson Bennett. Um, I won't say he should be a first round pick, okay, or or even a second round pick. But when I say, look, he's better. He was better at the college level than Anthony Richardson and Will Levis um, and Hendon Hooker. You could say that's because the talent around him. Hendon Hooker had some talent around him. Um, Richardson and Levis definitely, for the most part, didn't. Levis especially didn't. But Stroud and um, Young are potential franchise quarterbacks. They're, I understand that when you're picking that high, you need to pick a quarterback, you know, if, if you need one. And so Stroud and, and Young, I see it. Richardson and Levis, in my mind, are not franchise quarterbacks. They, they shouldn't be first-round picks. But the nature of the beast being what it is, they're going to be first round picks. They're going to be top five picks. And if they get in the right system, they get in the right situation, they develop right. Maybe, maybe you've got the next Josh Allen in one or both of them, but they look, I I guess if I were an NFL personnel person, I would take those two over Stetson Bennett. But when I hesitate that way, which probably has a lot of your listeners going, Oh my God, who is this Homer? <laughs> you know, I don't say that in terms of trying to build up Stetson Bennett. I say it in, in terms of skepticism about Levis and Richardson. Um, Hooker will probably be taken if he, if he's taken like early second round, it'd probably be taken about where he should. Um, I mean, cause you know, Hooker could be a product of the system. Tennessee has a good system and there are a lot of open receivers that he hit. Um, and once he's over the ACL, you know, he, he does bring some mobility to him. Um, 
but Richardson to me just has that classic, like looks great in the combine looks great in the workouts. And there were some games like the season over opener against Utah last year where he looked like a great player, but I, you know, he didn't look great against Georgia. Um, Levis didn't look great against Georgia. Hooker didn't look great against Georgia. And you can say, well, that Georgia defense makes a lot. Mm, aren't, aren't the players on Georgia's defense because it has so many NFL guys, the kind of defense you're going to be playing in the NFL. Stroud and Bryce Young looked great against Georgia. So my, my opinion is colored by that. Fair enough. I mean, like you said, that's got to be tough going, knowing when you're watching the Georgia game, knowing how good that defense is uh, and trying to evaluate these quarterbacks. But, you know, you're going to play the, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best type of uh, deal uh, on Bennett. And just, and then I'll let you go. Like last year here in Washington, you know, look, obviously Carson Wentz didn't work out, but on paper, he's got a lot of a lot of talent. There's reason, you know, the size, the arm strength and all that. But after watching him for a little bit and then comparing it to Taylor Heineke, my basic view was if I have to plan around one of them, I'll go with Carson mm-hmm. Wentz. But if I have to win today, I'll go with Taylor Heineke because I don't because whatever is going to present itself. I, I have confidence he'll figure something out. It's sort of, to me, that kind of reads how uh, sort of the Stetson Bennett uh, bio. They did everything they could to play someone other than Stetson Bennett. Um, they brought in JT Daniels, who was a five-star recruit to USC. Um, they brought in Jamie Newman, who was a grad transfer from Wake Forest. Um, they they were trying to play someone other than the five foot eleven walk on um and ultimately they figured out he was the better option um and he wasn't just a guy who was along for the ride he was you know he go back and watch the fourth quarter of both the national championship against alabama and the peach bowl when bennett rallied them against ohio state and watch the final drive there's one throw he makes down the middle of the field that got them into the red zone. That was an NFL throw. Um, again, this is not to advocate for making Stetson Bennett your NFL starting quarterback. It's to, if I were an NFL team, I'd think about in the third round, and then definitely around the fourth. If I need a number two or number three quarterback, I'd want to get him on my roster and say, "Let's see," because he did do it in the college level. So you just never know, especially the Tyler Haneke, Brock Purdy. And I mean, there's, you just, you just never know. Right. No. In, in this moment of the NFL, the it's, there's just not, I mean, look, half the league is looking for starting quarterbacks at all times. And they're coming into all different shapes and sizes compared to when everybody had a sort of a standard drop back guy, or at least was aiming for that. Uh, at Seth W. Emerson on Twitter. Obviously, he knows his stuff about Georgia, the SEC, and what the commanders should do for their branding. So clearly, everybody I, needs to, 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 to pay attention to what Seth is saying. And when you say branding, like the burgundy and gold has to stay. We're just talking about the, the nickname. Yeah, I think to me, that would be the move that keep, I mean, the colors keep the colors and then the rest. I don't know. You want to have 12 focus groups or go with your gut? I don't know. Go, nobody's going to cry if they get rid of commanders. I just think there is there's a little fatigue over here of like, oh, God, another one. But, you know, 
I get it. Yeah. If they change your name again, I understand why that might happen. Seth, I really appreciate the time. Good luck here in I, I don't know if it's your truly your off season because SEC yeah. football is always a thing, but I appreciate the time. All right. Uh many thanks to Seth Emerson for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Hang in there, folks. We're hopefully getting closer to the finish line here one way or the other, uh, but we'll have more to discuss uh, here on the podcast. But for now, Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya.